You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. And I think about when we feel unworthy, it's not because of what we think about God, but it's what we have received from other people. Mm-hmm. It's other people that have made us feel unworthy. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's speaking to the tax collectors and the scribes who think that they are righteous, mm-hmm. who think that they're in right standing before God. And he's saying, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. You've, you've missed my mission. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. We are kicking off a new series this morning called The Stories of Jesus, looking at the parables and who better to start off this series with than two special guests and friends. First, we're joined by lead pastor, Jose Avaroa. Good morning, Taylor. Good morning. Good to have you. And we're joined by the amazing Rhonda Clock Prayer Pastor, Rhonda Patterson. Good morning, Taylor. It's a lot of pressure to pray around the clock every time you you say that. Every time. She's amazing. That's why she's amazing. (laughs) It's great to have you both. Y'all, I'm excited about this new series, just the summer season in general. Uh, Jose, would love to ask you, first off, why parables? Why the stories? And even just before, what what stood out to you as you prepared not only for the message, but just the series as a whole for us this summer? Yeah, I, I love stories. I love to share stories. I think it helps us connect to one another. And so, uh, it makes sense that Jesus, mm-hmm. the ultimate, you know, human, <laughs> the one who was perfect, came sharing a bunch of stories to illustrate points that have deep significance in our lives. And so, um, looking at this parable that we talked on Sunday, there's so we can take it so many different ways. And so, you can take one story and you can extract so many truths from that just one story. And I think that's the power of uh, the parables. And so, I'm excited to look through these parables during the summer. Rhonda, what about you? Yeah, me too. I I think uh, we all do love good storytellers. Like you can think of those kind of people in our life. And Jesus was the ultimate yeah. storyteller. And his his stories were always so rich and so deep. Um, so spending some time on those and really extracting some things, I think it's going to be fun and challenging and good mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. So Yes. And the first one here is the parable of the lost sheep. So Jose, this is going to be an open series, so different speakers get to pick which parables. So yep. what led you to pick this one, even to be just the the kickoff for well, the series? Well, it, it, it's so central to the heart of God and Jesus coming to save the lost. If, if we miss this, we have missed, we've missed the boat. This is why God sent his son Jesus into the world to seek all of us who are willing to raise our hands and say, we, we need a savior. We, we have a problem. It's called sin. And, and we need to be uh, redeemed from the price that we deserve to pay. And that's what Jesus came to do. He, he paid that price and um, he was the ultimate shepherd. Mm-hmm. He came to seek the one that was lost. And so I love how deep this parable is for me personally as I think about my story uh, but then also as as a big picture church we need to stay focused on on the one and and not be part of that 99 that that grumbled and thought that they were okay when indeed they were the ones that were lost 
Yeah, let's talk about that for a second before we jump in, because I'm thinking about kind of the three different camps. We have Jesus that was speaking, and then you have the tax collectors and the sinners, and then you have Jose, who were just talking about the Pharisees that yeah. were grumbling. Uh, I know at least for me, I can lose the significance just over time of the power of the gospel, just the power of the life's transformation. It just I think maybe just growing up in the church and being in it for a while, you start to kind of maybe drift into some of the grumbling, some of just the um, losing the the power of it. So how would the two of you recommend someone that's maybe finding themselves in that camp a little bit, maybe finding themselves in a sense of, uh, maybe it's not even grumbling, but maybe it's just losing that sense of awe and wonder at the power of the testimony of what God did for us. Yeah. For me, I think it's it's continually asking God to give me wonder Give me wonder about what he did for me. Give mm-hmm. me that awe continually just just because it, it's by his spirit that we're drawn mm-hmm. uh, to him initially and then continually in our life. And so um, when I'm feeling that way where I just get a little grumbly or ho-hum about life or the world or whatever's going on, just asking him, Lord, fill me with you. Fill me with your spirit. Renew me to feel that wonder about what you did for me, reminding me what, taking me back and reminding me of what you did for me and that you have that for, for all those around me. So... Yeah, that's really good, Rhonda. We sang this new song on Sunday called Mm -hmm. Gratitude, Mm -hmm. and um, I love how it tells us that all we have to give back to God. Grateful, we're so grateful for what He's done. All we really have is to say, thank thank you, Mm -hmm. God. Praise the Lord for what He's done. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. That's what that means. And I, I think that I find myself... Becoming more Pharisee scribe-like in, in this parable when when I stop giving God the glory and I start looking um, inwards for strength, inwards for wisdom and direction. Uh, the more I do that, the more lost, the more lost I feel. Mm-hmm. And so stopping, <laughs> recognizing the ways that God has come through for me and uh, being grateful and then pr- praising Him, worshiping Him, giving Him the glory is, is, is a great place to come back to. Mm-hmm. Um, Jose, you had two questions that we'll look at throughout the series. What does the parable teach me about God? And what does the parable teach me about myself? Uh, The two, just in that first question about what does this teach me about God? You had the Father's heart and mission is to save the lost, and then God sees the one. And I love how you kind of sat in that, just that um, truth that God sees the one and is out to seek and save uh, the one. How would y'all encourage someone that's maybe feeling? Uh, I feel like there's there's two camps here, two two um, extremes. One that we don't need God. That you know I, that's kind of where I, I grew up resonating more in the sense of I kind of felt like I had it together or at least enough to where I didn't need a savior. And then there's others who feel like they're not worthy to be saved. They're not worthy for a shepherd to leave the ninety nine for them. So maybe starting with that. Uh, individual who's maybe feeling unworthy, how would you uh, point them to truth and, and kind of where would you kind of counsel them or shepherd them uh, and encourage them in that in that position? Whoa, we don't have enough time for that. <laughs> I, I, to me, um, I think those those struggles, those inward struggles, <clears throat> excuse me, is are um, they're things God is wanting to heal and uh, renew in our, our life and break off of us, those mindsets of shame and unworthiness and all the, the simple truth is none of us are worthy, but he said we were. Mm-hmm. Jesus said we were mm-hmm. when he stepped down 
from heaven mm-hmm. and came to save us. So, um, so he says we are. So those parts of us that are kind of stuck in in unworthiness and uh, guilt and shame and 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 all. God wants to come into those and heal those places to where we're able to just receive His grace and His goodness and recognize that He says, I'm worthy. And so I just, I receive it mm-hmm. and, and believe and walk in that. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a simple gift. Mm-hmm. And He begins to heal and, and we don't stay so stuck. I don't, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so that's so true. And I think about when we feel unworthy, it's not because of what we think about God, but it's what what we have received from other people. Mm-hmm. It's other people that have made us feel unworthy. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's speaking to the tax collectors and the scribes who think that they are righteous, mm-hmm. who think that they're in right standing before God. And he's saying, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. You've, you've missed my mission. Mm-hmm. My mission is to hang out with the lost. Key word here, who are drawing near. So they're drawing near to Jesus. There's a lot of people that are lost that are like the 99 that are not in church. They don't want to draw near to Jesus. But he's speaking to those that are drawing near to Jesus that just look a little different than the tax collectors and and the scribes. I'm sorry, than the Pharisees and and the scribes. And so when I think about times where I have felt unworthy, it's it's not in my vertical relationship with God, it's because other people have made me feel unworthy. And so Jesus is saying, stop that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my heart is to be with, with them. That, that, that's what we learn about God. God is not like us. Mm-hmm. He, he is perfect. He's fully secure. And he came to save, to, save, to serve, and to seek out those that, that are needing rescue and redemption. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the second question here, what does the parable teach me about myself? Jose, there were kind of two points or questions you asked. One is, am I the one lost sheep or right. one of the 99? And is God's, or God is seeking the lost, am I? And I feel like both of y'all just not only personally, but just through uh, your ministry have seen and, and tend daily to those who are lost. And yet I feel like so much, you could blame it on culture. You could just blame it on our flesh, but uh, we don't want to think about the lost. We don't want to think about the hurting. We want to almost, we can almost create a world or environment where we don't even think about those that are hurting and lost and are uh, astray. But we know that they're out there. Y'all are are deeply involved in uh, the lives of these each and every day. But how would someone that maybe is is too comfortable, Jose, you mentioned that on Sunday, someone that we can just get comfortable uh, where we, we don't want to talk to that person or we don't want to pray for that person. So how how maybe would you break down the, the callous nature that we can often uh, have towards the lost in the way that uh, maybe the Pharisees did. And I think, I think it part. starts with that first question. Am I the one or am I one of the 99? If you are the one, then you will recognize, man, God, God really came after me. I'm so glad that he came after me. So now I'm going to you know, extend the favor and hang out with people that may not like me or are not like me. And I'm, I'm going to pursue them and enjoy fellowship, enjoy sharing uh, my story, uh, God's truth with with those people to form this true uh, expression of church that God wants us to have. Um, and so it really starts with, if, if I think I'm one of the 99, then I'm, I'm gonna be on a pedestal looking down at other people that are not behaving or that are not acting as if, you know, uh, that they should. But But if I recognize with, I am the one, God did rescue me, then that's a completely different starting place. Mm, Absolutely. I think it's a focus. What God has been helping me do 
is uh, focus more on the tree of life versus the tree of the knowledge mm-hmm. of good and evil. So if I'm focused on when I when I entered relationship with him, um, that the we we know that sin is is out there. Sin we are tempted by sin, but it it because where it's not our focus. He rescued us, and he's transforming us. And and as we are transformed, and we're looking at others, we're seeing them through that tree of life vision. You know, through the way Jesus sees them, and so we're not looking right. at the the evil the sin the right. the dirt we're looking at them through his eyes and how he sees them and we'll miss it if we're focused on death mm-hmm. on on all the the bad you know but if we're focused on him and we're we're receiving his vision for people then in our gratitude for what he did for us, mm-hmm. we we go, we go to them. Jose, you've actually them. mentioned that in Romans just mm-hmm. a few, maybe a month or so ago. I remember that in the passage there that Paul is highlighting the good in these people and really mm-hmm. trying to draw that out, just even in himself. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really good. And those that have that are that are that are not yet following Jesus. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. and it's yeah. not the good in themselves. It's right. it's Christ. It's what's drawing them near. Yeah. It's Absolutely. it's again. I think about the the scene. There's a table. We have a table right here, and Jesus is sitting or uh, sitting on the ground or kneeling, depending yeah. how, how uh, what what type of table back then, ancient times. But there is fellowship. There's conversation mm-hmm. going on, and so these folks come from the outside looking in, and there's they're saying, well, "What's why is he doing that?" You know, why why is he hanging out with those people? And I, I just love how bold that is. Jesus is saying, this is what I'm about. Mm-hmm. So either join me or uh you're you're just going to do with what what you know the Israelites did in the Old Testament, uh in, in Ezekiel, these verses that we read, that that is a direct you know, contrast to what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, you were selfish. Mm-hmm. You, you looked at your own desires in Ezekiel 34, we read that. And then, and then he's saying, I am now going to show you what it looks like to be a true shepherd. And he wants us to, to emulate that as we mm-hmm. seek and save those that God came to save. Mm-hmm. How, do, how do we balance that? I think about some other messages, Jose, you've given before about uh, when it comes to the lost, maybe we can think of either it's a, a wayward child or maybe just a friend or relative that we know that we've, we see from afar that they are lost. How do you uh, balance that, that idea of trying to make sure you realize, okay, it's not on you and it's not in our control to save them, but yet you want that so badly for them. So how do you kind of wrestle with that and, and ultimately surrender them to the Lord and sure. when it comes to the practical relating and interacting with them? Oh, well, um, you stay focused on... Um, what God just has for you with them. We're supposed to be what? Salt, yeah. light. We're supposed to uh, extend Christ's love to people, mm-hmm. to all people. And so if if that's my role, then he it's his job to draw, to change, to lead people to him. It's not my job to do that. I can't do that. Usually if I try, I fail miserably. And so um, learning to just ex- continually extend God's grace and love and trust Him to do the work that He's doing, then 
It is good. I mean, that that's to me the place of peace for me. It's just trusting him with it and then staying focused on just being a grace giver and love people well. We didn't cover it because there's enough in this parable, again, just exploring God's heart. But after he talks about the lost coin and then the lost son, to your question, uh, a wayward mm-hmm. son. And um, he, you know, the, it, it was the prodigal son mm-hmm. who, who came back. He came to his senses and he, and he came home. There's so much that we can talk about in that parable that we won't cover here. But I think that's to your point, Rhonda, mm-hmm. the, the father was waiting mm-hmm. and then the father rejoiced when, when the son came home. But it was the son that had to turn and, and say, I'm, I'm, I'm coming home. Yeah. It wasn't the father that went out, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. looking, hey, come on, please, please, really, I, this is the right thing to do. I'm, think about all that, you know, I've done for you. And this, no, was, the, the father was, was waiting. Mm-hmm. And uh, then there was grumbling from the older brother. Who represents the Pharisees and, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and the, the scribe in this case? That, that's one and the same. And so again, the posture that he's trying to knock out of us is one of um, superiority and, and, and selfishness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it blocks grace from flowing into this world. And that's what we're called to do. Mm-hmm. Whether you, you have a, a wayward son or daughter, or you, you have someone next door living to you that, that is far away from God, we, we are to be, like Rhonda said, salt and light. And uh, that's all we can do. We can't change the other person, um, but we can show them Jesus's love in, in multiple mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. You can almost feel it when you when you move into your own control and desires in it, because as you begin speaking or try pleading, groveling, whatever it is, you you kind of know you you've stepped out of God's peace in it, mm-hmm. and um, and so um, I had to repent before yeah, of trying too. to be Holy Spirit yeah. to people and and just pull back uh, from that and back into to the place of trusting him with it. So it's it's kind of just I think our soul kind of wants to take the lead sometimes mm-hmm. our, our our desires for our you know our heart right. for people to be um, in in right standing with God or to be with him but um as we we are spirit soul and body and he is holy spirit is in me and sealed me so i know when i'm not being led by him mm-hmm. and so there's no peace in it that takes a lot of self-awareness Rhonda to do and you do it that does. you do that so well, well. I had to learn it in the <laughs> trenches <laughs> for sure but it is the only way mm-hmm. and it's yeah. actually there's a place of joy when you when you land there because I'm still waiting to see mm. God yeah. act and come yeah. through and I know he's going to Amen. and so that's fun to just sit and wait when, and watch him work when when you say lord that that's your job mm-hmm. And you recognize what your position mm-hmm. is, and in, in that there there is a lot of relief. There's yeah, a lot of peace so much. that comes that comes for us. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. share this. Uh, my brother and I have a really close relationship now because mm-hmm. I, I have stepped out mm-hmm. of that. Hey, you have to do this. You have to do that. Why did you do this? Uh, and and we've talked about this in recent years. Our relationship has completely changed because mm-hmm. I stopped being God in His life. He has a God. 
And it ain't me. Praise the Lord, because I'm <laughs> I'm really imperfect. Yeah. And since I have released him, uh, we've we've enjoyed a, a really good relationship, and um, we're able to love one another. And mm-hmm. when asked, um, you know, I, sometimes I I don't always wait for him to ask for for me to give advice, but I do it way more now than I used to, mm-hmm. and it's really helped helped our relationship. Mm-hmm. Living on mission and loving the lost isn't an individual uh, sport, but God has designed, I think about throughout scripture, whether he sends out the disciples in twos or just even how we have community groups and just the church as a whole. We'd love to close by just hearing y'all's thoughts on the value of not going at this alone and just the value of having communities surrounding you to pray for one another or just what's the significance of, of this parable and this mm. passage uh, impacting a whole, a whole church. I love, I love that you say that because I'm, I'm looking at the scripture now and in verse six says that when he comes home, when the shepherd comes home with the sheep, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost. And so there's rejoicing done in community. And there, that is a, a big piece mm-hmm. that we didn't even really touch on um, Sunday morning, that, that there is rejoicing that happens, but it's done with, with other people. And so when you are um, lost and you then realize now in Jesus, I am found, uh, we are called to rejoice together and continue living in, in community. There's great strength there. I think about the baptisms that we've been celebrating every Sunday and how much rejoicing there is, not only in the individual that's getting baptized, but you look out mm-hmm. and see tears in people's eyes of joy saying, wow, look at what God is doing. That's the power of uh the one getting saved and then seeing community rejoice. Mm, absolutely. And I I don't know if this is exactly what you were asking, but I was just thinking about um, those in, that I'm in community with have helped me um, when I think about just when it gets really personal, when it's people in your family, those you love. Uh, we don't always see things with the best perspective. And so um, they help me. They help me in the weight. I can sound things off in a safe place, and and them say, "No, don't don't say that. Don't do that." Whether <laughs> just just trust God with that, or or they they send grace to me when I have um, gone and said something maybe I shouldn't, or pleaded, or gotten out of you know just gotten ahead of God. Um, they're such grace givers for me in that. Uh, so just being in that community with people to help me as I wait as I wait on God to move and come through like I know He will, they help me do it. Thanks for listening to the Conversations Podcast. Be a part of the conversation by sending questions about the Sunday message directly from ccc.guide or by emailing conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Looking forward to the next conversation.